Welcome everybody back to the PHLY Sixers podcast. Joined once again by Kyle Newbeck and Rich Hoffman. And oh boy, do we have some news to discuss. Damian Lillard traded, not to the Sixers, but there will be some fallout. Real me. basketball yes. things happening, moves to analyze. It's We are so back. Remember baby. that day where we had to pretend like Kelly Oubre really mattered? And we were like, <laughs> oh my God, we get something to talk about. This one's a little higher stakes. Oh, come on. A little higher come stakes. On. Kelly Oubre matters a little bit. Come on. Matters to himself for sure. Okay. Uh, all right. He'll, play. Man, he'll, he'll get minutes. I'm kidding. He'll get minutes. I did but not realize we were going to open this show just firing strays at Kelly Oubre. I mean, usually it's somebody firing strays at me, so I have to go on the offensive here. And by the way, if you're not already, please like hey. us and subscribe on YouTube or your podcast player of choice. We appreciate that. If we're going to fire strays at anyone, I want to make sure we fire the strays at all the Miami Heat reporters who were absolutely deranged this entire <laughs> offseason essentially convinced that yeah. it was fait accompli that the Heat were going to acquire Damian Lillard and now they're all making all kinds of excuses for why it didn't happen and so I you know no no real anger for <laughs> Miami Heat reporters. It's just very funny to me. That's yeah. all. It, well, you did have anger at one Miami Heat reporter. I won't res- relay what happened on press row, but there was once. There was once. Oh, that's I'm not even, that's I don't even remember who that was. So. No, me neither. It's probably why I'm not relaying the story. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I remember that happening. I don't remember the reporter. Okay, we'll we'll have to catch up on that one later. Uh, yeah, they were like crestfallen and heartbroken in a way that it's like. Guys, you don't work for the Miami Heat. What's going on here? <laughs> you would think they do. They're like an extension. We're getting called apologists yesterday. They're like an extension of Pat Riley in print and radio and podcast form. And, and they don't understand, too, that, look, great organization clearly have the playoff magic formula that this organization that we cover does not have. Like, that is 100% all the respect in the world for that. But the idea that people in Miami... Like, don't understand. Yeah, people don't want you to get star players because you've gotten so many of them already. Like, it's it's a very obvious thing. And I'll kick it off by saying, like, Portland, like, this wasn't some conspiracy. I think they got a better deal than they would have gotten from Miami. So, you know. Yeah. Oh, so we have Jacob in the comments saying the flood of Miami tears is increasing the climate change-related flooding of that city. That's I think that might be a little harsh. You know, I'm certainly not rooting for the city of Miami to go underwater, but sort of gets at what we're talking about here. I, Derek and I did have like sort of a quick initial reaction video to this we yesterday. Did. Yeah, our Good Mori podcast. Just I mean, the shelf life on that was like oh, an hour. Small. Listen, it's, it's a real shame when a show gets buried like that, but. I guess the, the the part that's a little I, I want to say that I, I'm grading Portland as an incomplete right now because it looks good theoretically if they get a good return for Drew. And right. I think everyone sort of assumes there will be a small bidding war. They'll get a you know decent haul back for him. But it is still theoretical at this point. We don't yeah. know where Drew ends up and you know what he ultimately is worth in the eyes of the trade market. Aiton. But if Drew Holiday doesn't get at least one pretty decent pickback, I would possibly, agree. I'm not going to say I'm going to eat a basketball because I've been burned on that once <laughs> or twice. I will be very, very surprised. And I would, I would say the difference between the Miami deal potentially and what they got with Portland, Tyler Hero, if he had been moved, there is not an immediate flurry of contenders who are like, well, we need to right. get Tyler right. Hero on this team. I think that became clear over the summer. 
teams like Utah, San Antonio, Brooklyn expressed some degree of interest in Hero, but it was not, hey, we're going to give up multiple picks for this guy. So we might give you a decent player, a protected pick, and flip that to Portland. But I think Drew now puts the Blazers in a position where, yeah, you can sit here and wait for a little bit. But I think if I had to guess, I think Drew is getting flipped if not in the next week, then before the season starts. Yeah. So the the trade, uh, the three team trade between Portland, um, Phoenix, and the Bucks, that has become official. Uh, so Drew cannot be aggregated with other players' salaries, um, other outbound salaries from Portland in a subsequent rerouting trade. He can be traded. He just can't be aggregated with other salary for two months. Uh, and that also means like. Portland can basically split this up into multiple deals. Like I was going to say, can you explain to anyone who's listening not well. what yeah. not being able to be aggregated means in you know, so trade like, terms? Let's say if if they wanted to trade Drew Holiday for Tobias Harris, and Tobias Harris makes too much money where the rules where it's basically like, was 125% plus $100,000 of matching salary, you can basically only take back, if you send out Drew's 36 million? 36-ish, yeah. You can only take back basically 125% of that coming back in. If it's more than that, you'd have to include another salary to match that. Portland can't include that other salary. But what they could do, let's say if, if they, they really liked, let's say it's a three-team deal with, you know, James Harden. But they also really like DeAnthony Melton. They can then just break that into a separate trade so you don't, you don't have to worry about aggregating the salary. You can split it apart. It, and with Drew's, the size of Drew's contract, 125% covers a lot. It shouldn't be completely restrictive, which is probably why they announced it and made it official now. So, uh, Rich, because Derek and I already talked about this somewhat yesterday, I just, how do you feel just about Dame in Milwaukee as a, you know, a general idea, like big picture on that? It's like as perfect as perfect fits gets. It's, um, that team is going to be horrifying. And I think for a couple of years here, it's, it's a shame we never got to see this Milwaukee iteration with Drew that was, let's be real, they did win a championship, but they were very flawed in the postseason yeah. against the Sixers because there were some epic regular season games oh, between yeah. those two. Like, especially Joel and Giannis, the, the level of physicality. I, I will never forget, this was probably three or four years ago, but when they had Joel guard Giannis, and Giannis would, you know, get the ball at the top of the key and Joel would be playing like five, six feet off of him. That was like the most exciting thing in sports to me, <laughs> just watching Giannis charge straight at Joel. And, you know, they did it even a little bit last year when the Sixers, I think it was like a 17-game winning streak that they stopped in Milwaukee. Like, at the end of that game, I remember Joe didn't get the charge on one of the plays. It was controversial. Did get the charge on the next play. Um, th there were a lot of th – those teams were evenly matched when they played, and I thought they just played some, some fun, good games. Um, so we never saw that. The thing was – that Milwaukee team, as good as they were in the regular season, they had a huge flaw in the postseason. They, they couldn't score in the half court. Yeah. And Drew was a big part of that. Like, they just could not score in the half court. His three-point percentage in, like, series that they lost is pretty bad. Abysmal. Like 28, 30%. Like, he has not shot the ball well. Even in the series they won. Remember, after the Sixers lose to Atlanta, and then Milwaukee gets the gift. Now, I know Giannis got a little bit hurt in that series, but Trey is out and all those guys. Like, Drew couldn't throw the ball in the ocean to the yeah. point where Atlanta takes that to six semi-competitive games. And I'm just thinking, like, man, I mean, I, winning a championship is just hopefully just not falling off a cliff because, like, you can you can fail your way for a couple rounds to uh, 
to winning that title. It's not all ups and downs. It's not just, you know, climbing the mountain. Um, they couldn't score in the half court. They got the best half court player in the league, maybe? Like, Steph? Like, like who? KD? Yeah, you know? Top three to five. Booker? At, at, like, at worst. Yeah, I mean, well, I should obviously say Jokic, obviously. But um, he's probably the number one answer. But Dame, as an offensive player, is one of the best three or four players in the league, which is why when I always talk about Tyrese, it's like he should try and follow this blueprint. It's hard to do, but if you run a screen for, for Dame 30 feet from the hoop, that's like great offense. It's so easy to do. And now you're going to do it with Giannis as the screener. <laughs> you know, if you go under, that's like a 40% shot. If you go over, he can pass it or get all the way to the rim. I think it's an incredible fit. I think their team is very reliant on uh, Brooke Lopez staying healthy and um, Chris Middleton staying healthy to an extent. They are a little bit paper thin, but from their standpoint, I think it was absolutely worth the risk. Great move for them. So here's the only area that if I'm the Bucks or a Bucks fan, I'd be concerned. They now don't have a single good Wing man defender. defender. Yeah. They don't have anybody whose strength is we can put you on somebody yeah. and you're going to slow him down. Like the big criticism of Giannis in the bubble, if you guys remember when they lost to Miami the first time in embarrassing fashion, is that Jimmy Butler is lighting their asses on fire and Giannis was still just left in help positions, right? And so now if you're a team, and frankly, I wrote about this today, frankly, this could be the Sixers if they ever convince James Harden to come back and play for them, which I'm not saying this is likely to happen, but you're a team that has a guy like Harden, or if you're Boston and you have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, guys like that, and you thrive in these isolation, switch hunting, force the matchup situation, you now have the most dead meat player in of any good team as the head of the snake for Milwaukee. And you have he has to hold up defensively in some form or fashion. Because Chris Middleton, as we saw last year, Harden cooked his ass in another, you know, primetime national TV game. He has taken a step back physically, was never really a lockdown defender as it was. So they're hyper-reliant now on they have to funnel everything towards Brooke Lopez and Giannis, and that's how it's got to work. Now, that's a pretty good plan, honestly, right? Like, Brooke Lopez has been Defensive Player of the Year caliber guy last few years. Giannis has been an incredible help defender, can fly all over the floor, has all the length and athleticism you can ask for. But there are ways that you can hurt them, certainly. Like, their identity has primarily been we get stops, we don't get scored on, and then Giannis is a flying demon in transition. Now that transition's more to we're going to be a pick-and-roll team built around Damon Giannis, most likely in the half court, and that, in theory, on paper, is an unstoppable action. So if you're Milwaukee, you say, okay, whatever defense we're giving up here we're making up for how good we'll be on offense and they're going to be pulling the ball out of the basket every time. And that's our best defense. And I think that's a great argument. I think they deserve to be, if they're not the outright title favorite, I think the the betting odds right now say they are, they deserve to be right there. But I do think in the wrong matchup that it is exploitable in certain ways. Yeah. No, I mean, they're a team now where, you know, you're not going to be able to switch much on the perimeter. You are going to be susceptible to, you know, guards who can bomb away from three uh, and to big wings. And also, they just they compromised a little bit of their depth. And look, I don't think necessarily the pieces they give up are great, but they're rotational players. They were already a little short in that regard. There's not no risk, but this, I think, was an easy decision from their part. That 
you know, you're talking about a team, like Rich said, they tend to sputter out in the playoffs offensively, especially if you limit them to the half court. Now, all of a sudden, you know, that Dame Giannis pick and roll or dribble handoff or whatever variation they go to could be one of the most unguardable, if not the most unguardable things yeah. in the league. And to go from, we don't know how we generate half court offense and we're going to rely on Drew Holiday to carry a lot of that to maybe the most unguardable action in the league. And also you have an elite team defender in Giannis. Maybe he hasn't always taken the you know one-on-one matchup shoot one two. Now he's got to grow into that. And one of the best rim protectors, even at his age, they went from a team that you were uncertain, both in the short term because their offense hasn't been good enough, and in the long term because they were all old and overpriced. All of a sudden, they've got at least two to three more years of being completely rejuvenated. And maybe Dame takes a step back. That's always a risk for a player of his age and his size. But it's not like they gave up, you know, they gave up another 33-year-old guard to make this trade. Sure, there's some draft equity down the line, but it's not like the Sixers where you would have had to give up Maxi, and that was a real risk to your future. This isn't risking your future like that. And, and look, I think as, uh, as Grace said in the chat, we have seen Harden in the club in, I guess it was in Houston, hold up the sign saying <laughs> Daryl Morey is a liar, which is just a sign that the Sixers... A literal sign, yeah. by the way, yeah. <laughs> and figuratively. Yes. Literal and figurative um, it, It's just a another point in the, oh, the Sixers kind of got to figure themselves out more before we compare them to Milwaukee and Boston. But Milwaukee got better. There's just, I, I there's no question. I think they bet on the right things. I completely hear the, the defensive argument, but they might say, well, like, look, the last thing we saw was Drew Holiday got cooked by Jimmy Butler in the right. playoffs. So they certainly, the defense did not hold up either last playoff. So, so I, I think they're making the right move by saying, like, look, we're just going to lose another way if, if we're going to lose. And uh, I think it's a good bet. I, I think they are, I, I think they're the favorites in the East right now because yeah, I'm not as high on Boston and Porzingis personally. So for Milwaukee to make this type of move, I, I think really changes the calculus for them. So. And especially with this matchup. Like, I think Boston would have a tough time matching up with that Dame Giannis pick and roll. Like, Porzingis has really struggled for those guards who can pull up from deep. Well, so on the other side of it, though, is they have absolutely nobody to guard either Tatum or Brown. But that's the, no, they don't. That's true. That's a, so I, I, take, I think trading smart, that's going to be a thing that now looks – you know, they might regret a little bit knowing that Dame is on this team. But, you know, they made that probably thinking Dame might be on Miami next year. And so I don't think that that was like the prospect of Dame being on an Eastern Conference competitor did not seem to really factor into what Boston did with Smart and Porzingis, I don't think. Rich was talking about good bets, you know, where you can make some good bets. Our, with our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. And we're obviously back with another week of football. You guys know basketball is coming up. We got media day, training camp, preseason. DraftKings Sportsbook keeping us in on the NFL action. Great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5, get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups. Walk away an instant winner. DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. And football is more fun when you're on the action. So download the app now. Sign up with code PHLY. New customers can bet just $5 to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, with code PHLY. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly. On behalf of Boothill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles in Louisiana, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility, terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. What, one other thing I thought, good job, by the way, Kyle. Uh, <laughs> one other thing I liked from that trade that I think can pertain to the Sixers is I think from Portland's standpoint, and Miami, you know, their, their media people should take this a little bit as a sign of respect, where Portland, I think, said to Miami, we don't believe you're ever going to be bad. Yeah. Where they said to Milwaukee, okay, we're going to make you awesome in the short term, but we're going to take these picks five, six years from now, and we don't think Giannis is going to be there at this point. And I think from, from Portland's standpoint, I think that is the right bet. And Milwaukee is not going to be probably as good at the end of yeah. the decade. You never know. Who knows? Maybe Giannis stays there the whole time. It's not, it's not perfect. Maybe Dame wins him a couple rings, and he's like, eh, that's fine. The second half of my career, I don't need to ring chase. I'll just play here and be kind of the god of Milwaukee. Um, I do think that is something that the Sixers could get in on just because they are so all in. Almost their their desperation could work for them when they finally put that tw- 2029-2030 pick on there. Where, no, But I, I mean that, though. Like no, teams, but can you imagine like Daryl on the phone being like, look, we know Drew's valuable, but do you see this pick? In six years, we're going to be a tire fire. Like, you want this pick. <laughs> so interesting, you know, sales pitch to make. It's like, we're... But that's clearly the sales pitch that Milwaukee made to to Portland, and and it worked. It's even more true in Philly because, yeah, at least with Milwaukee, like Giannis is only, what, 28? Like he has a chance to still be there and still be good. I mean, Jimmy Butler's 34. Uh, But they're going to have a tough time attracting talent, obviously, especially when Dame exits his prime. So I understand that you do want to bet on Milwaukee six years down the road. But with the Sixers, first of all, we don't attract talent. Let's be honest. Certainly not in free agency. And Bede at 34 is a different animal than Giannis at 34, at least higher risk. And Daryl Morey, I don't know if he's going to stick around for a rebuild, so you could have uncertainty in management too. The Sixers 2029 And with ownership, you know, ownership, having just bought an NFL team. They might not care anymore. <laughs> that should be part of his pitch. It should be, I'm not even going to be Josh Harris isn't even in the building anymore, yeah. Um, I'm going to put all of this on some poor sucker. No, I think the Sixers 2029 pick has value, for sure, because teams are shorting other contenders right now. It's true. So how do you think? How do you guys think the teams that were at the forefront of this race? I would call that Toronto and Miami would be the main ones. How do they respond to this? Because Miami, at least, you can sit there and say they did go to the finals. They've been a consistently successful playoff team. Flip side of that is they let their two biggest free agents walk. They didn't really do anything, and their summer left this hole where it was like they kind of need the Dame trade. And I would say Toronto's in that same bucket where I think that team is just in need of a major change, a major reset. I don't know how you sell to Pascal Siakam that like this is just the group that they have. OG is about to be a free agent next summer as well. Like, what are they doing if they're not making a trade of this caliber to get a real ball handler? And so I. That's my biggest question looking at the rest of the East right now is like, what are these teams who struck out and are have a huge void to fill? What the hell are they going to do? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think Miami should be in on Drew. 
For sure. And they have, what, like three first-round picks that they can trade, I think? Something in that realm? Uh, they should certainly be in. Outside of that, you know, I you look at them, if they weren't planning on getting Dame, like, they're probably like, all right, well, let's wait out this whole Giannis thing and see what happens. Well, that's essentially off the board now with this acquisition. And look, there will always be a next, right? They passed on trying to pursue Bradley Beal. They didn't win out on Dame. And by all reports, it didn't really seem like they made too much of an offer after an initial push. There will be a next star. That star will probably have interest in going to, uh, to Miami. So they probably don't have to panic. But their team right now is significantly worse than the one that won East last year. And there's not an obvious path to fix that. It's too late in this uh, postseason or uh, offseason. That, uh, that media machine is, is going to start working. And guess who that next star is going to be? Joel. Right? Yeah. And I think people are going to say, oh, they're but waiting not, for him. He's not the drop-in fit either because you already have Bam. Now, look, would they pursue him? Of course they would pursue him. And they'll start probably trying to poison that well in terms of at least media of course. narrative. But it's not like it doesn't fix all of their problems either. No. Like uh, Dame was just a drop-in perfect fit, I felt like. I think they really screwed up. I, I think they should have thrown in everything they had because – I didn't view Miami as the Eastern Conference champion last year. Now, obviously they were, but I don't think they could have just rested on their laurels and said, look, we, we have the talent to come back. That was a little bit of lightning in the bottle, and I get it. Playoff Jimmy is is a real thing. Heat culture from April 15th to about June 3rd, whenever the hell the, the final start, is a real thing. But that team stunk last year in the regular season. They barely made the playoffs. Yeah. So, and I think Dame with Jimmy and Bam, that's a really good fit. Like, I, I obviously think with Giannis, it's a really good fit as well. But, you know, Miami has the two guys. They, they have the three and the five that you can pair the one with. So, uh, I think they really screwed up. Uh, and I, I think they were the team with the most to, to gain here. And now you go to Drew Holiday, and it's like, yeah, Drew would, would fit in with their kind of style. Like, I'm sure Spo would love watching him guard somebody and kind of play football type hoops like I, I definitely think he would fit there that offense would still be a slog but their problem is they can't score and yeah. you know I don't think Drew is like automatically fixing that you're you're still relying on um on Jimmy so that's my big thing with uh Miami I Kyle we've talked about this for a while I Messiah is washed he's just he's just not good anymore well he's he's new age like Danny Ainge it the running joke for 10 15 or not 10 years for five years or so there was always, oh, Danny almost traded for this guy, and the Celtics were in every rumor and never ended up pushing the chips in to go for those guys. And that's Messiah. It's like they, they get into all these. From my understanding, and you know, other people have reported on this as well, I think Toronto could have made this deal for Dame last week and they wouldn't have even gotten here if he had said, I'm putting OG in the package too. Like that that is essentially what is out there in the universe that Masai and the Raptors are at the table with the Portland Trailblazers, and the Blazers are essentially ready to trade Dame there. Masai was hesitant about including OG. Deal doesn't get done. There's some smoke out there. Like, deal will get done the next 24, 48 hours. It drags on and on and on and on because Masai won't push more chips in. And now Milwaukee swoops in, and now Toronto's big time fucked. Like, they were already a middle of the road, like, not accomplishing anything anyway. What do you, even if you decide you want to trade OG at some point, who are you moving him for now that's actually going to help that team before he might leave in free agency or Siakam might leave in free agency? Like, they have no road forward as far as I can see. Yeah, I don't know. I, there, was a, there was a report out there that um, Portland went to Dame last week at some point and said, hey, what about Milwaukee? Like, is that, you know, how, how does that appeal to you? 
Um, and there's a part of me that thinks like all of these teams that got leaked, Toronto, you know, Chicago, the Sixers a little bit might have been just like get you know Milwaukee to put in whatever they're hesitating to put in and get this deal done. I don't know if if Masai's tough to read because he'll play the media game and then he'll you know sort of backtrack off of that a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. Well, let me put it this way. I think Milwaukee makes a lot more sense to go all in on than Toronto would have with Dame. So I understand why this ended up being the uh, the landing spot. But just but just pick a path. Like Oh, no, they need to pick a path for sure. And, and I think that's the worst thing a general manager could do is just kind of just hang out in mediocrity. And he's getting to the point where the, the path is going to be picked for him. Like he's got... OG and Pascal, they're free agents. They're just gonna year. leave. Like they, Fred Van Vliet just left for nothing. Like Kyle Lowry left. Well, he didn't for, leave for nothing. He left for a lot. Well, what no, I'm saying I, I is they the got nothing. Toronto got nothing for these guys who are key contributors just walking out the door. And hanging on to a core that look, they played pretty well two years ago, but were clearly overmatched in the first round against the Sixers. Yeah. And then they don't even make the playoffs last year. So I, I get it. Like these guys, like OG and, and Pascal, they they have talent. They're long. They're. I think a lot of teams would like to have them in specific roles, but clearly for your team, it is not working as as them kind of driving the uh, driving the car. So I don't know. He's uh, for them. I think they should tank. Like I think they should just tr- have traded all those guys and maybe built around Scotty Barnes. But totally, like just just pick one path. And you know, he didn't do it with Dame here. Do you guys think I've wrote about this some this morning? But do you guys think it it's the, the, the hinky process complaining that we're talking about another team? Like, bro, we we podcast for five hours a week and nothing has. <laughs> we're going to talk about other teams. Buddy. We're going to talk about the NBA. I'm sorry, there was a meteoric. Okay, trade. so I was going to ask a Sixer centric question. Get out of here. Do you guys think? No, stay, stay. Do you guys think Dame going to Milwaukee? From a Sixers view, is better, worse, or neutral compared to him going to Miami? Worse. Worse. I disagree because I think having – if Milwaukee had just stayed what they were for the coming year and Dame goes to Miami and Boston exists in their current form, that's three teams that are like clearly better than the Sixers, I think. Now you have two. Miami, I think, is, you know, they have the playoff resume that you could say, I trust them more in a postseason setting than the Sixers, certainly, on top of all the James Harden stuff to deal with. But I have a lot, I I think it'd be a much worse path to go through. You might be able to draw a down Miami team this year and beat them where if they get Dame, you're losing to them, you're losing to Boston, and you're probably losing to Milwaukee with Drew and no changes. Yeah. You might, you might be right, too, because especially with the Bucks, they are so reliant on health of old dudes and old injury uh, play dudes. Now, I know Dame hasn't played a lot of games the past couple of years, and I'm a little worried about his health, but they also shut him down for, like, the last few months of the season both times because yeah. they were tanking. So it's a little bit of a different scenario. He was pretty healthy before that. Uh, but, yeah, like, if Lopez gets hurt, like, they're just going to get scored on all the time. Yeah. Like, so. And there's a, a guy in comment, Ridge Live. It, we're not saying the Bucks got worse. We're saying from the Sixers' perspective, this move is worse for the Sixers than if he would have been traded to, to Miami. To yeah, I, I just think if, if you let Miami become – Listen Mi- up. If Miami becomes a super team, essentially, by acquiring Dane, Milwaukee's already basically a guaranteed you know, 58 to 60 win team. Sure. 
every year in their current form. The Celtics have killed the Sixers when it matters in the playoffs. That's three teams you can definitively say, like, yeah, they're not beating them. And that essentially means you are not getting out of the second round guaranteed, where I think now there's at least a puncher's chance they could beat Miami in a playoff series. I wouldn't pick them against either of Boston and Milwaukee, obviously, but I think it's better to at least have an opportunity to go to a conference finals than not. Well, there's somebody I know who would disagree with that. Wow. Sixers would not necessarily. Daryl Morey that. disagrees with that. Yeah, if you're not winning the finals, it's no, the Ricky Bobby. Yeah, yeah. If you ain't first, you're last. Mentality. In the other scenario, Shake there are definitely bake. more good teams for sure, for sure. But this one just looks so tough that it's tough for me to look past it. Yeah, again, I'm not saying it's certainly not good that Dame is on the Bucks. No, if you were handicapping, like it seemed like like Dame was always going to go to an Eastern Conference team, you would probably like if it wasn't going to be the Sixers, you probably wanted him to go to Toronto because that was the most beatable team with him. Yeah, I think that's probably a fair summary. But again, they they, they got to get hard to take the sign down saying Daryl Morey is a liar because. Do we know exactly when that sign when that party well, was? I so, think it was a couple yeah, of weeks that ago. That video right? is absolutely old. unbelievable. It's PJ Tucker appearance at the beginning too. A lot of TNA throughout the video. Not, not the safest for work I've ever seen. I, the, and honestly, the funniest part is when <laughs> they do the big crowd shot and they zoom out and the Harden cutout comes by. And in the background, you can see they're just playing Harden highlights at the club. <laughs> it's like a, a big projector video screen and they're just playing highlights. Like you imagine, I don't even know what the equivalent of that would be for us. It's like the when video of us event, right yeah, here no. and just playing this in the background uh, as we're <laughs> like mingling with people and drinking. It's funny too. Harden has bad highlights too. That's not, it, it's a ridiculous premise to okay, start I, with. I, I'm going to stop. No, his, I mean, his apex highlights are great. All the step back, crossing guys over, people falling down. How many, step, Le- how many step backs can you watch? Is it just, just uh, 50 listen, of those? I'm not saying he's got like LeBron or prime Blake Griffin, whatever highlights dunking and stuff. But all I'm saying is, Aesthetically, there's a lot of good stuff out there. Recently, certainly not. You have to get through a lot of free throws to see the the fun highlights. But can we can we, we should, put like a highlight of his layup attempts from the past few years on here? <laughs> Would that qualify? No, I don't think so. That's another pod. Are James Hi- uh, Harden's highlights good, or are they bad? Jaggerty dubstep. We are not talking about that sign. It's a landmine. We're not walking into it. No, so the not pulling out sign, I thought that was hilarious. The whole I mean, thing was hilarious. The I, whole video is funny. like, I mean, I want to just shake the hand of the, <laughs> uh, the, I think the person who made it, their he production really, tag is all over the video, so I'll get in I, touch. I forget who tweeted it, but someone said that he was the best ever to unlace the shoes. Yeah, he's, yeah, the, he's the best. That was a good one. He's the best trade requester yeah. of all time. Best to ever unlace That's him. the yep. only thing we can give James Harden credit for at this very moment. <laughs> The best to unlace the shoes. I think that was uh, that was Tyler Parker or whatever. No, he is. It is the opposite of Ben Simmons. He is good at this. Like, yes. And when I mean good at this, and he is going to make the Sixers' life hell. We talk about shot diversity a lot. He's got trade request diversity out the wazoo. Like he's done it every. He's got the way. fat suit. He's yeah. got the the in, signs. In he's got Chinese press Brooklyn conferences. Brooklyn when he had one of those Spencer <laughs> Hall's games where he didn't even pretend to try. It's, it's he's unbelievable. Good. Well, it's good. And, and I was also thinking because Dame is playing the Sixers on opening night, yep. like the idea of him saying to all his teammates, I got, I got Dame, I'm going to guard him. And it's kind of like Scottie Pippen and, uh, and Michael Jordan when they were going to go kill Tony Kukoc in the Olympics <laughs> when Jerry Krause was hyping him up. But the only difference is that he's going to guard Dame because he's going to let him score 100 against the Sixers, so they trade him. 
<laughs> just the idea of that being the opening night game. Look, the, some people are going to watch that game for, for multiple reasons. They're well, going to get okay ratings on that one. Let me tell you, if you want to go down to the Wells Fargo Center and, and be witness to a historic biblical beatdown from the Bucks at the to the Sixers, then the game time app is where you need to head to, to get your hands on those tickets. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful, and game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all your sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. The Game Time app is extremely easy to use. Forget planning months in advance. They have deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. I'm sure there are going to be some people who are in Philadelphia saying, I don't really need to be at the arena to see the Sixers get killed by Dame Lillard and Giannis. But me personally, I look at it differently. It's like, I want to go down there and see that bloodbath and see what happens there. And you'll be able to get exclusive flash deals on tickets for every sport, including basketball. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section in a row for less, game time credits you for 110% of the difference. I think that's, that's pretty awesome. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PHLY, $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code PHLY, $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Just one small point, and that was a fantastic segue, but that <laughs> opening day game is in Milwaukee, not No, I'm South. saying the other games. Oh, okay. so we're okay. going to see the initial bloodbath on TV, but there will be more. Right. There's, I just don't want people like, there will like be showing blood. up at the Wells Shout Fargo out to Center Daniel after buying, and Paul buying Thomas tickets Anderson. on a, Yeah. Do we want to go to uh, Drew or any, I guess we'll we close with Drew. Any quick thoughts on the Suns, the other team in that trade? Um, because I think that's one that a lot of people were a little I thought that was about. in, I don't, I mean, look. I mean, the, I think what they're trying to do is clear, right? Take that one big contract, split it up because they're hard capped and they have no depth. Just the depth piece they got back, I don't necessarily think are worth that downgrade. It's also that Aiton is surly and doesn't yeah. want to be there. And I think they're probably betting on improving the vibes over actual basketball talent which here's the thing with Aiton I think it's a dumb trade from Phoenix's view like Nasir Little if he's healthy decent wing Grayson Allen very good shooter like he's a rotation guy for sure and they need as many actual rotation guys as they can get the thing with Aiton though even as someone who doesn't like the trade because I think Nurkic is absolutely cooked Aiton has been 30 yet. Did you know that? He's way younger than I thought he was. Aiton has always Watch. been a guy that is more theory than basketball player, right? Like his whole knock dating back to Arizona is that there are games this guy shows up and he'll score an easy 30, dominate the game. He looks like a man amongst boys. And then the next night he's getting ragdolled by a guy who's maybe an inch shorter and 15 pounds lighter than he is. And there's just no way to know who he is going to be each and every night. Now, I still would have hung on to him rather than flip him for Nurkic and stuff. Yep. But I I think Phoenix's point of view is just that the well has been poisoned with this guy. Get him out of here for guys who might actually want to be here. Yeah. I mean, I, I get the logic behind take a downgrade at center to add more depth around your core. I just think they're overvaluing Nurkic and that downgrade is for more sure. than they yeah, one. Gambo, who we shouted out on the podcast last week, talked about Nurkic being a defense and rebounding upgrade. And it was like, well, 
I think he's getting that from the Suns, and I would have to yeah. question who in the Suns is scouting Nurkic over the last five two years. years ago. It might have been at least close yeah. to true, but he's had a lot of lower body injuries. And he just doesn't move well enough. I, I just think they're gonna, you know, Kashav in the um, in the chat said he'll get more rebounds. I, I just think he's gonna be picking the ball out of the basket because he just can't move yeah. anymore. Um, all right, let's get to Drew. Yeah, Drew. Drew is the big piece of excitement from from. Our end, Philadelphia's end, certainly. Which is probably why they were complaining about us for talking about the Raptors. <laughs> we're going to give you 30 minutes of Drew here. Come on, relax now. Uh, so you guys talked about this a little bit on the reaction pod yesterday. Um, what? I, I guess let's start with just like Drew is going to have a lot of interest, right? Yes. Like the, the Sixers are going to, they are interested in him, which they should be. But like I think every contender in the league could reasonably say, ah, Drew Holiday, he kind of fits here. And I just wonder a little bit, because of something we talked about on the Mori pod yesterday, they don't really have a lot of stuff to give up. No. They have, as you mentioned, the one pick. And part of me wonders both with kind of their free agent plans next year and how Drew would kind of affect those, and also the equity it would take to, uh, to get him, how realistic this is. Because I think it's going to be a pretty frothy market for, for Drew Holiday. Yeah. Any good team without – and I, I said it yesterday, any good team without a good point guard, but it's really any team because he has you know, positional versatility defensively. Yeah, he doesn't have to play He doesn't guard. need to be on the ball. Um, pretty much any good team, whether that's Boston, Miami, the Sixers, both L.A. teams, they should all have interest. And if Toronto needs a point guard. Like, anyone should have interest. And, you know, let me pose this. If you were the Clippers, would you, and I don't think Clippers have the assets to get Drew anyway, but just theoretically, would you rather have James Harden or Drew Holiday with that team? Oh, I think they, I'd rather have to Drew me, Holiday. the Clippers are a bigger threat than I think the Celtics are. I would say that straight up because I think, look at it like this. I think with how win now and how old, like where on the age curve Kawhi and PG are, I think a pick from the Clippers, even if it's a far away pick, is more valuable than any pick you're going to get from Boston, essentially. From Boston, I agree. And Boston's problem is that their trades basically have to involve Al Horford or one of their bigs, I'll say. Well, it doesn't have to be Al Horford, but one of their bigs. And I think the only way the current concept of the Celtics works is by keeping all those bigs and they all sort of protect each other at the same time from the wear and tear. Like Al's old, Time Lord and Porzingis are both constant health concerns, might not say healthy. Okay. And if you flip one of those, it would have to be Horford or Williams, but one of those guys in that deal in order to get Drew, you, your title odds now hinge on Porzingis and Robert Williams or Horford and Porzingis staying healthy for... 82 games plus the playoffs. I don't think that's a good bet to make. I don't think Boston is going to make it. So I think, to your point, it's much more credible that the Clippers would sit there and say, well, why would we trade for James Harden? We can get another guy who, by the way, is an L.A. native from there, went to school there, and that was part of the, oh, we're going to bring James home, all that. He fits the defense defense first philosophy switch that they everything. have. Yep. Switch everything between Drew and Kawhi and PG and Batum and all these guys. And that's like just a hand in glove fit. You can get him there. You don't have to worry about Drew's not coming in saying, 
I need the ball. I want to be the president again, James Harden. Cut all that bullshit out. Like, I, to me, the Clippers make more sense than basically anybody. It's like them in Miami, I think. Yeah. I and mean, the Sixers, I think. Well, and the right Sixers, there. yes, but I think... No, they make a lot of sense. I, I question a little bit whether or not someone like the Sixers um, or, or Miami could just outbid them. Like, I'm not sure yeah. they have enough draft capital to get it through the finish line. But I think, like I said, I think he makes more sense for them and what they need and what they have than even James Harden. Like, just being able to have another real good defensive player, like Rich said, switch everything, who's not going to, you know, complain if Kawhi or PG are initiating the offense. I think that's a real good option for them. We'll see. We'll that, see. Well, and, and that's true. And then the other thing is, like, you're just mentioning the on-court fit. He's also not James Harden, where you don't have to worry about yeah. what, it, what the off-court athletes are like. character guy. You don't have to worry about what the exit's going to be like. You don't have to worry about... I'm, I'm sure you have to worry about what the next contract is going to be like. You're going to yeah. have to be, be willing to pay him. Okay, so let's, let's spin this forward a little bit then. If the Sixers were able to acquire him, does that make sense considering the next contract he is going to get and oh, kind of their free agent aspirations? That's scary. That is definitely scary, yeah. Uh, and he's got a $39 million player option, I believe, for next year. The running assumption is he will decline that, maybe not even to get more money, but to get more years guaranteed tacked on the end of that. Uh, that will, I mean, look, Drew is 33. We just talked about this before. So yeah. he's, he's a very young, well, he's old in the sense he's been in the league for a long right. time, but he has a June birthday, so he doesn't turn 34 until essentially the NBA Finals. This is, this is our, our running conversation where... I love that Drew and Dame are basically the same exact age as me, like within a couple of months, and they are old for NBA players, <laughs> which, you know. Yeah, he with Drew was in our high school class, yeah. I'm pretty sure. I still feel like my whole life is ahead of me, and uh, <laughs> everybody's like, man, these old men are getting traded in the NBA. Well, that actually... It's true, though. Quick... Uh, sidebar there i was referred to as veteran reporter yeah. kyle Newman oh, yeah. yesterday and i was like god damn it i feel so old right now well, i think i think i might be the longest on the beat right now because i think i was on because i was on with john mitchell who was before keith i think i might be the longest on the beat now you've got the old fogey you ink stained wretch so we're not going to talk about any of that i don't want to hear <laughs> you guys talk about feeling like you're getting old but in terms of the fit with the sixers how was it how was it to cover bob Cousy? by the way <laughs> Are we? I know we're allowed to say fuck. Can I give him the middle finger on air? Is that so probably. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what the what the policy is there. Um, we'll figure that out for tomorrow. Drew is a great fit in Philly. Right. So the one concern would be initiating in the playoffs. Uh, and Drew, over pretty much the entirety of his Milwaukee run, struggled to shoot from the perimeter in playoffs. Last, like seven or eight series, twenty eight point six percent from three, thirty percent, thirty four point five percent. That's the high water mark. 31, oh no, it's not, 31.4, 37%, 26.1%, 20%. Outside of the one series against uh, Atlanta a couple years ago, he's really struggled from the perimeter. But he's a fantastic option defensively to cover up what Maxi isn't defensively. He is good at getting in, them into their sets. He is in terms of the Sixers not having many players who can advance the ball. He can advance the ball. And the combination of defensive versatility, you would still need Tyrese Maxi to take a jump. It would just be as a jump as a score, not necessarily as a playmaker. Like right now, you need him to take two jumps. One is a score, one is a playmaker. If you got your holiday, you might only need him to take one, and that's the more projectable one. Because yeah. I still think you, want, you would want Drew being your primary perimeter scorer in that scenario. Not Drew, but um, 
Tyrese. Tyrese, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I, I definitely disagree with no, yeah, Drew yeah, yeah, being yeah, yeah, the yeah. primary I myself, guy. I caught myself. You, I mean, you mentioned those playoff series. Like, those numbers are bad. Watching them almost feels worse. And it by it way, is painful. He's he just had tossing some bricks historic up. moments in those playoffs, but they were mostly defensively or a lob in transition, something like that. It wasn't as a scorer. No, they were two very athletic. Um, that, I mean, that lob was one of the ballsiest plays ever. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I, I agree with you. Like, next to Maxi, could you pick a better defensive guard to put next to him? I mean, we, we no. are all on record saying we love Tyrese. I, I'm very interested to see what he kind of develops into, but his defense is bad. Like, and I'm not sure there's really anything he can do to make it better just because of his size and his strength, strength limitations. He can get a little bit stronger. He can buy, buy in a little bit more off ball. I mean, Drew is like, say what you want about him. I know Jimmy Butler just torched him in that last series. Best defensive guard probably in the NBA. Just an absolute dog just guarding people. He's and terrific. Honestly, the best way to illustrate that, go through every theoretical backcourt combination they could have on this team, and Drew fits in Everyone. all of them. Everyone. You put him next to Tyrese. You put him next to DeAnthony Melton. Yeah. You put him next to, I mean, Jaden Springer. That's all of a sudden yep. you're locking teams down in the backcourt. Pat Bev. You could put him next to somebody like Turk, who are, all our concerns are guys not going to be able to defend anybody. But you have Drew out there to essentially be big brother defending all the – and then you just unleash Turk as an off-ball type weapon. So, like, that – if you have that kind of defensive chess piece in the backcourt – and you don't have the offensive limitations of, like, you know, when Ben Simmons was here, that opens up a lot of lineup yep. combinations. And Drew can play off ball. He can cut at times. He can you know, let Maxi run the show. You bring up some of those defensive pairings, like, you know, Drew and Melton, if Jaden Springer can actually take a step up and be a rotation player. Like, you can have some real lockdown defensive pairings for a team that's anchored by Joel Embiid. Yeah. And that could be really, really enticing you still need Maxi to take a jump. And I feel like every podcast we have, we say you need Maxi to take a jump. Well, I think the reason why I'd be so interested in this, like I said, it's just, it's a much more projectable jump that you're asking him to make, because I do think he can be at 23, 25 point per game score type. Might be a little tougher in the playoffs, but I think he has more in him. The playmaking and passing was always the one that was more uncertain. See, and, and I think for me, just to kind of zoom out, because I, I agree with everything you're saying there, Drew makes a lot more sense for this year for me just because it's like they have Harden. We have no idea where this is going to go. You get Harden out. You get the high character guy in. You get the guy who really can probably accelerate Maxi's potential where, you know, if he makes that more realistic jump, you actually kind of have something tangible there and might be able to take another leap. I just wonder what happens after this year. Like, is that the right move yeah. for No, that, know, that contract future? would be uh, – I would not be fully comfortable with that contract. We'll wrap this up in a second. One quick word from FOCO. FOCO is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. It's the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. We are now squarely in football and tailgating season, which means it's time for overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, everything you need for a game. FOCO has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets. Folk always has our backs for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. For all non-presale items, use a promo code PHLY for 10% off. So I guess, like, do you think the Sixers are going to aggressively pursue them? <laughs> I do. I'm just not sure how much it's going to matter, depending on yeah. how many teams and what they're willing to offer. So Miami, we kind of skipped over in that part of the discussion. If they were to simply say, we're going to give 
Portland most of what we would have given for Dame. I think I don't think that offer is going to be topped. Yeah, essentially. So it's really a matter to me of one: how much is Miami in on Drew? Two: how stubborn are they going to be because they feel like they got frozen out by the Blazers on Dame talks, which would be a stupid way to operate. But it is Pat Riley who is a stubborn old mule, so you never really know. Oh. And also, too, like, in fairness, like, Drew is not a star and Dame is a star. Yeah. yeah. There is a, a, a line there that is, is kind of, there's tangible difference between the two of them, especially in how they're perceived. I, I mean, I think it's, you know, Dame can be a number two on a title team. I think a, a, a very good number two. And we're going to see that in practice. Drew, Drew can't. And, you know, I wonder. But, but I, I do think, like, Kyle, like you said, he probably doesn't have to give up everything that he was already offering for Dame and still kind of come out ahead on the Sixers a little bit. So, Yeah. I mean, the question is, do they want to keep all of their assets for a, a bigger splash down the line, or do they want to address the one glaring hole that they clearly have right now? I don't think anybody really knows that. I think you can maybe look at some of the comments coming from the Heat Beat reporters about not expecting every star to be traded to you as maybe an indication that they might be... Content. Willing, yeah, or willing to address like the immediate need rather than pursue the next big fish or the next big whale. Who knows? It could just be reporters having an opinion, too. We do have those every now and then. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So, it's a great question. They definitely can't outbid the Sixers, though. I, I have seen it's gone kind of back and forth in the chat. Like, I, And there have been people on social saying things like, how can you trade James Harden for Drew Holiday? Like, yeah, in a vacuum, I would never, like, just pure James Harden is better or more valuable on his own than Drew Holiday. Oh, yeah. But James Harden, when he does not want to be somewhere, if your choice is James kicking shit up every single day and not wanting to help you, or Drew Holiday, it's clearly Drew yes. Holiday. So it's it's a matter of like this is we're not making a trade in you know perfect sunshine and rainbows land. This <laughs> is the the James Harden holding up signs at a nightclub saying Daryl Morey is a liar land. And so that's the world the Sixers have to operate in. And that's in that instance, Drew Holiday is the clearly superior player to have here. They, How much they, money do you think she was paid to hold up that sign? Not What's enough. going rate right on that? Or maybe too much. I don't know. <laughs> I'd have to find out. I, I am impressed. Harden packs him in. I mean, he had a lot of people there. Man, you, you could not find two different off-court people than Drew oh, and James. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't find two different encore people, too, like with the way Drew defends and Harden never has. Uh, but, yeah, no, Drew handles his business a little differently. I'm, I'm with you. I'm willing to take the step back for the level of peace and, <laughs> and harmony that, uh, that Drew Holiday will, uh, will bring. I, uh, I definitely think that. I also think uh, St. James had this comment in the chat, too. Nick Nurse is probably like, oh, he's like, get me Drew now. He does not care about that 2029 pick. No. no. Like, and he's like, look, we have a lot of guys who don't fit my style. Give me the ultimate guy who fits my style. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden, if, I mean, look, I'm not saying they're going to be a defensive juggernaut if they get Drew. But you get Drew, and when Joel is off the floor, you can play lineups with Holiday and DeAnthony, maybe D-House, maybe B-ball. Tobias, B-Ball Paul. Switch everything. You right? can switch everything. You, can, you have multiple guys who – Excel jumping into passing lanes. I mean, even Ubre. Like you're just then all of a sudden you're a more athletic team, oh, which yeah. that's one of the big complaints 
we've had historically, certainly that the fan base has, it's like, okay, these guys are old, but not only are they old, they're not that athletic either. So if you can put lineups on the floor where these guys can get out and run, they can get stops and create offense, not through great half-court execution, but just being better at stopping the other team, I think that's a big draw of getting someone like Drew. We did have Brennan bring up that next contract and the concerns of building. It's real. Like that next contract, for sure. three, four years, 40-plus million per for a guy who could – I mean, he already struggles in playoffs offensively. For a guy who could slow down, it's, it's very real. But the concern that Joel Embiid looks at Milwaukee goes, how the fuck are we going to compete with that and what am I doing here? That's real too. And it true helps alleviate that, buys you another two to three years. I don't know. I, it, I don't know. It's a small thing. Um, but also, when you don't switch – Drew's ability to get over a screen is it, it's a small element of basketball, but when you have Joel Embiid as your rim protector, and as Kyle wrote on the first day at PHLY, like he needs to focus more on defense this year. If you have locked in Joel and Drew being the guy chasing over the screen, that's a really good combo. And remember last year, I think it was the last game against Milwaukee. Um, it was kind of a, I think it was a Sunday night game, so a little bit of a sleepy performance from the Sixers, kind of one of those regular season type games. But after the Sixers absolutely destroyed them with the pocket passes and Brooke Lopez playing back, Drew Holiday basically took that completely away from Harden, <laughs> and he has the ability to do that. He's just like a dogged defender on that end of the court, and it's just really, really impressive to watch. So that would be cool. Yeah, I think, look, we have seen Joel's development offensively is staggering, right, over the last however many years. But they, the second that they traded Ben, they went away from being this could be the single best defensive team in the NBA to they might be good enough defensively because they have Joel, but it's a lot of Joel doing heavy lifting for flawed defensive players. All of a sudden, you get Drew. I know you still have Maxi as a foundational piece, you can really build a defensive-centric identity, and maybe that's your calling card. And look, we've seen Nick win with those type of teams, and maybe that's the path forward. Maybe Joel isn't a you know 30-point-a-game guy scoring the ball in the playoffs, but he might be able to anchor a championship-level defense. I think that's honestly more realistic than him being top dog as a scorer on a champion. For sure, for sure. All right, I think that's probably a pretty natural place here to cut it off. Certainly an eventful Wednesday night into Thursday. Thank you both for jumping on, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for being with us, everybody. Like and subscribe on the way out. 